Thank you, one and all, for tuning back in here to Talk So Real with Matt Sanzala, the uh, podcast where I basically just go out and talk to my friends doing cool things out there. I hope you've enjoyed the first four, and if you have, like I always say, please tell a friend to tell a friend. Like it, subscribe to it, do whatever you do. Um, I don't want to beg. I'm just going to ask one good time, my people out there. I definitely appreciate everybody who's written in, called in, checked it out, shared it on the uh, social medias. I'm talk so realist on all the socials now. And uh, don't make me go run away and hide again. Come on, y'all. Today, two great guests in the house with a lot to talk about. Really cool projects coming up from right out here in Austin, Texas. We've got DJ Rapid Rick. What up? And Carlos Hernandez from CH Customs. Now, <clears throat> a lot of people might know you, Carlos. Back in the day, the man behind the what to do imagery and things, the top dollar clothing. Is that right? Yes, sir. Yeah, and now you're doing a lot of more of, we're sitting here in your establishment, and I see all the crazy, like, three-dimensional signs you've been making. Yeah, a bunch of custom signs and pretty much... Everything promotional-wise for artists and all that. Dope. Go on, what's, uh, this was back more than 10 years ago when What It Do Mixtapes came out, and the whole, uh, the branding of that was, uh, I think, pretty unique down here in Texas, Rick. Like, there was plenty of mixtapes, plenty of people with, you know, we're, Texas is known for the pen and pixel and the crazy imagery, so it's not yes. like there was never something like that, but nah, man. in your era, though, that What It Do was, was a big standout. What it do, I always like doing mixtapes, um, like where, you know, because the whole thing about hip hop in general is like you're taking something and you're making it, you know, a little bit more ratchet. You're just taking it something and making it more street. And so uh, before I did what it do, there's a couple other things I did. I think I dragged like IHOP and did a hip hop mixtape mm-hmm. series. I think um, I did Austin Powers, like from the movie. That's but, I just, right. but I did a bunch of like, like Austin rappers. Mm-hmm. Austin Powers 1 and 2. Then it was like 2003, right, Carlos? 2004 when you made that shirt? Yeah, I was doing a clothing line before that. Yeah, Carlos had a clothing line in East Austin. And um, where I was selling my mixtapes, like a lot of times you'd see your shirts, right? Mm -hmm. We had a, I knew a store owner who was a DJ since who who hooked me up with Carlos because Carlos was also doing like artwork and a bunch of other stuff. And um, I saw that shirt and I was like, yo, who made this? logo he's like oh my boy carlos did i was like okay i need to meet carlos (laughs) met carlos i was like yo this shirt's amazing it looked like you know like the popular soda drink but it says Mm -hmm. what it do and everyone says what it do i go this just sounds like real catchy and like i do these mixtapes and they got these little like you know where i take the logo and just kind of like how you did and i was like how do we how can you sell this shirt and i sell mixtape with that are you cool with that and carlos was cool with that and um Man, I don't think I ever knew that after all these years that the 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 image was before the mixtapes. Yeah, yeah, it was way before the mixtapes. The color, everything on the colors and everything, like the green was the first one to come out. Yep. And then we started going with the every mixtape came out would drop a new color of the shirt and all that. You were manipulating other logos and things too, weren't you? Uh, not too much. It was this was more like um, I didn't go to college for it or anything, but I understand the process and what it takes to get the image out there to people. And when they seen the Mountain Dew trucks everywhere, automatically they'll think of what it do. And that's what I thought of every time whenever I seen or heard Paul Wall say it over and over. I mean, Camilla and Paul Wall were, you know, super hot at the time. So 
it was just perfect to put, you know, put all that together. And then Rick was super hot at the time too, you know, and it was just, it was just easy to put that together. And we put out the flyers. So the shirt was out then we put out the flyers. And when we put out the flyers, we didn't have the mixtape ready or, or the anything. The t-shirts weren't even ready. I would just make the logo. But yeah, we had so much feedback from all the stores wanting it. We just put a coming soon. We didn't put a date on it or anything. And from the beginning, it was just crazy. Ran out of everything every time. Flyers, CDs, everything. T-shirts. Mm-hmm. So yeah. yeah, it was a good timing of a lot of good things, man. Um, oh, man. Like it was just 2003, 2004. We tried doing the Austin like only artists, and then we started branching out with other Texas artists. Luckily, I was working at the radio at the time here in Austin, and um, got to build a lot of good relationships. Now it's Hot ninety three. Hot ninety three. I also interned at one hundred four three with Boy Loco before that, and okay. I also was at KAZI with Southpaw. Even Man, before rest that, rest in peace. Rest in peace. Um, but just having all those relationships, being mixed on the radio, I think I was even in the record pool. Um, in Houston, and then hooking up with a bunch of DJs, um, and uh, got to know these artists. They were up and coming. At that time, I remember Houston, like Houston wasn't playing a lot of Houston artists. Like it wasn't popular, like as much. Like you, unless you're like rap a lot or something, like it, it was very difficult to to t- for like independence. Like not that it was impossible, but I know a lot of those Houston artists will come to Austin, do shows. Want to get stuff played on the mix show on the radio. That's where I would come in. And mm-hmm. I also did mixtapes. And it was just those relationships happen. Camillionaire promised me to do a mixtape out of all those relationships during that time. And I was like, hey, I got this really cool idea called uh, What It Do. Because Carlos made the shirt. And I was like, you want to host this? He's like, oh, yeah, that's cool. That's a great idea. I think the time he was trying to, you know, he's already heavy in the mixtape game. He was just um, trying to get a a record deal, right? Or so, somewhere where he can kind of put his singles out and his albums out. And uh, one of these mixtapes, along with the other ones he did with like Smalls and uh, his own mixtape Messiah series, all those were, and his website, which was kind of like social media before social media was kind of helped propel a lot of this. And like, just like all this stuff was great. And people love the mixtape and it had a lot of really good features. You heard bunch of other texas artists who probably didn't have as big a shine as swisher house but you saw a lot of talent in them too um and it was just a crazy little staple for a good for a good like you know five six years yeah well let's keep it real for a second because this was post uh the death of dj screw this was after screw passed away and i know very much for a fact what people were attracted to with you was the quality not just the imagery and all that i mean the imagery was a lot but like this was an era of mixtape after mixtape coming out daily. And most of them shouldn't even have been called a mixtape. Yeah. Most of them were not really mixed. I mean, of course, I love Michael Watson, OG Ronsi, and Swisher House did great mixes, yes. of course. But there were a lot that did not put in the uh like the production of what you did with your tapes, the scratching, yeah. the mixing, the really coming up with something uniquely Yours, yeah. and I know, I think you came in at a really, the right time. Lots of great DJs, lots of people who could scratch, lots of people who could really mix it. It's not like there wasn't anything like that, but when these mixtapes in particular came out, they were a real breath of fresh air because as many people do jam slowed down music, yeah, we all do and have and stuff, but 
I think having that option of having your tape not slowed down, but you did both. I mean, I know you had yeah. two, both versions and stuff, but like having a regular speed, really well mixed, looked cool. Even the Austin ones, I mean, were something to open the eyes, you know, of people who are interested in the music yeah. down here. Uh-huh. You know, people got to learn, you know, find out about all kinds of music on it. And it was a genuine tape. I mean, like, I don't know all of your business, but I know <laughs> for sure that you weren't just out there. You know, a lot of the mixtapes also were people charging people. Yeah. Get on the tapes. Like, you went out and found the people with the real quality, and they gave you actual uh one of a kind flows, you know, one it wasn't just on every other tape either. No. I it was I, all unique. Yeah, I, I looked up to the DJ Screw tapes, right? Before DJ Screw, um like in the nineties, DJ Rectangle mm-hmm. mixtapes were like really awesome West Coast mixtapes were had scratching, had mixing, he would like put a cappella over a different beat. He would leave that beat on in Ice Cube or something from the West Coast. Warren G would do a freestyle. And I was like, that is amazing. Like, mm-hmm. who can, like, scratch, mix, um, like, put those mixtapes together like that, have the features, have the relationships. And then, like, it, like, I wasn't even from the West Coast, but it made me, like, love West Coast stuff because it was just, like, those mixtapes were so jamming. And so I was like, man, like, I, it would be awesome, like, like how Screw did, mm-hmm. like how Watts did, for someone to do like that would just... Kind of like, and a lot of them did have like amazing quality. Like a lot of those freestyles they have, like songs are made out of them. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? So I just wanted to contribute something different, like a regular speed mixtape that kind of had that, you know, like a little bit more turntablism, a little bit more kind of like creativity as far as the freestyles were concerned. And then, um, yeah, the double CD helped too, right? I don't think anyone was doing like the double CDs like that. I think it, it was a cool thing that we added. Um, and at, so I think, the double CD was regular speed and slowed. Yes, yeah. yeah. One was regular, one was slowed, and I always try to get OG Ron C or Mister Rogers or someone from Houston to mm-hmm. tr- to do that. Um, uh, and then I don't, I don't know. I just thought the shirt really complemented the mixtape. I honestly mm-hmm. don't think like it's just kind of like when people drop like a movie and the soundtrack's really good, and then all that successes. It, I think that's what made the mixtape good. Was like right. the shirt was like, damn, I heard that, and like. I'm talking about we would go be in like in like New York or be in LA and people would be like, Oh yeah, that what it do. Oh yeah, yeah. Like I've had young Jeezy, I had other people who were like big at the time. It's like, man, that shirt's really cool. And that all stemmed from, you know, Carlos's like brain and then like our like and then my mixtapes like taking off. And all these artists in Texas taking off because that was a sweet golden era for Texas mm-hmm. music at the time too. And it was a golden era, but people who weren't there probably don't totally understand that that was still an era where a lot of people weren't ready for slow down music. You know I mean? Screw was popular, you know, we're in a bubble here in Texas, but when you talk about taking your mixes to New York and to Europe and to California and stuff, they might not have had the traction that they had if they were just a straight up Texas slow down mix. Yeah. I think that's what kind of helped. And then you obviously, and like people from New York wanted to hear these, the talent of these artists, right? But they ain't gonna listen to it like slow speed. They, they weren't. The world wasn't it just ready. Wasn't there yet? It, not like today, where like no. it's like I, I remember you heard like Bavu's interview was like there's like a piece of screw in almost every song today because mm-hmm. it's 2022. But yeah, in 2003, that stuff was really weird to have it just slowed, and so um, the mixtapes helped kind of turn people on to like the regular speed of music of all these Texas artists and, and their talent. 
You played a big, big part in that, man. Like what you contributed to the whole What It Do mixtape and to Rick and to everything. It was a crazy time when you were just pushing it like crazy worldwide. I say you made it worldwide. You had the proper, you know, you had Rick right there. You know, of course, the talent is there. You saw that and you took them worldwide. I mean, you played it. Uh, thank you for that. You played a big, big part in that. Big. Man, I'm glad that I had the opportunity to do that. And I think, you know, having someone like Rick and the artists that we were able to work with, I mean, that, that, that era was so dynamic and so cool, you know. And, and just like I said, the quality, you know, I think Rick opened a lot of doors to people who, you know, DJ Screw, like we always talk about, really didn't sell much outside of his house until he got his shop. He didn't really sell outside of his shop. So there were Germans and things coming to Houston sometimes going home with tapes and this and that. But it wasn't like it took a while for that, you know, worldwide phenomenon to really hit. Yeah. I mean, I saw it myself. Definitely. You know, one of my main memories, and I don't know if we could tell, we could tell the whole story, but uh, Go. when. <laughs> When Slim Thug opened up for Kanye West at the Court Festival in Norway, that was our first trip together to Europe. Yeah. And I was, I, you, I went as a DJ for Devin the Dude. Yep. Right? Yeah, for Devin. That was the original plan. Yep. But Slim Thug and Bun B were also there that week. And like the, I don't know if Devin was first or Slim was first. If that show, I think the Slim show was during the next day, and we were the night before. I think Devin. Bun went like early in the week. Bun went that Saturday, if you remember, because we weren't going to stay. Oh, that's right. You know, and then, but we, I ended up staying. But the because uh, I had to go get him in Amsterdam, and long story. But we were in the van. Slim said to Rick, "Hey man, we saw him. He's like, you want a DJ for me?" And Rick's like, "Of course I do." And so. We're going to, in the van, and this was a crazy festival. Like, we almost, it felt like we were driving through a jungle to get to the stage. Like, if you remember, we were in this, like, back road in the forest, literally. And it took forever to get from the hotel to this venue. Not venue, the stage at the big festival. Thousands and thousands of people. And we're in the van, and Slim's manager, or road manager, had the CDR, with the with the beats <laughs> but it didn't burn it didn't work that was back when so so yeah it, we're in the van and slim's like oh man whatever he pulls out already platinum just the actual cd he's like all right rick i'm just gonna tell you, you know play track two play track six i was like no you're not doing that you're not gonna do that you can't you can't just rap over your vocals on a cd and be like and your shows and be like, all right rick because i've seen 100 shows like that i hate that yeah and I was like, you're in Europe right now. You better have a DJ or they're going to tell you to go back go back home. You better not lip sync. They're not having that over there. Maybe they are now with the whole new wave of shit. But back then you had to <laughs> Matt get- wanted quality at this huge Norwegian festival that's like their version of ACL. They're, also, they're Coachella. That yeah. country's Coachella. It was super huge. Yeah. And I think it was like, I do not remember the name of the first band. But they were like a huge like Megadeth like Norwegian like band. Then it was us. So well, then we it was saw, Slim Thug. I don't think they were on the same, but that was Enslaved. We saw Enslaved, and we met Carpe Diem at that stage. I remember that was a big okay. Norwegian rap group. No, not and a rap then, group. It was a no. A, the, a, no, a Enslaved was the band. Was yeah. the metal band. It was them, and I'm pretty sure it was Slim after that. I don't know if it was the same stage, but it might have been. But basically, and then it was Kanye West, and after Kanye was Depeche Mode. It was that. Right. Or, that was that order. That's right. That's right. <laughs> like, so, that was a pretty huge bill. 
so this is the funny part because these are back in the day, but this is, you know, no fault to anybody. It was like, this is the first time probably Slim performed outside of the country. I mean, he might've went to a couple of places with Pharrell or something, but this is like a, a Slim Thug show in another country on a festival. So basically he asked you to DJ. We get there and sent the road manager back to go get a proper instrumental CD. He went back, we go out there and Slim <laughs> hadn't asked for a DJ rig. He had, they had a CD player with a mixer yeah. sitting there just waiting for whoever was going to hit the button on the CD. Shout out to Slim Thug for having me DJ. That was amazing. That was yeah. But, and this was 20 years ago, almost. But, uh, so the manager goes back and the stage manager is like, what are you doing? What are we doing? What the, you got to get on the stage. And I'm like, all right, man, we go over and grab eight tracks set up, which we weren't supposed to do. <laughs> Shout out to A-Track. Yeah, shout out to A-Track. We grabbed his his two turntables and mixer mm-hmm. and then uh, brought it out on the stage, Thanks. set it up, and you started DJing. I got on the mic like, what to do, Norway, blah, 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 and I'm yelling, talking shit, throwing out probably 20, 30 mix CDs to the crowd. Matt was my hype, man. No, so people were hype. But one <laughs> thing I remember is when looking out that, that far back, you played Lil Kiki Southside. And That's how I started the rapping. set. People were rapping along, like kids in Norway were rapping along to Southside. This wasn't a big Swisher House hit. This wasn't still Tibbin. This was Southside, and there's kids over there that knew it. Yeah. But, and like, they, just how Southside, like, you just start that beat, too. Like, even if you don't know it, you're going to bob your head. Like, even if, like, yeah. And I think yeah. half the crowd was just bobbing their head, like, because it was just death metal band before us, that, like, and then us. Uh, and I just felt like they're just rocking their heads. And then the people who didn't know it. No, nah, the long. people in front of the stage were straight up for yeah, they, they were for hip hop, man. And and the uh, so Slim Slim came, did his show. It was pretty short, and because we half the time we were we were taking up there just getting the crowd hype and throwing shit. And uh, I remember after the promoter of the whole festival, the owner, the big guy comes out and he's like, "If these guys wouldn't have come out there and got this saved this crowd, I wouldn't pay you." And we were like, "Uh." And we were like, oh, oh damn, we got it. Yes. And, uh, and they loved it. They, I mean, they were fine. Everybody was fine. Everything worked out. But, like, that was a, a crazy thing. My whole point of that story was to say that it was opened my eyes so much to see, like, kids in Norway, which isn't even, like, I mean, that's further. You know, you may be in London, maybe in some place like that, you might think. But, no, this is the middle of Norway, and they knew Houston rap. Yeah, it was cool. It was crazy. It's a good, always... It stuck to my guns to have a DJ set ready no matter what <laughs> in yeah, case man. it needs over to stall. So that was definitely a cool thing. To yeah, expect. and from that, I mean, we did so much with Devin and you and Chill even did your own tour, just DJing, just parties. Yeah, that was because um, you had the Matt So Real website or Houston So Houston Real so web, Real. and that you know a lot of people followed that thing too, man. They followed that. They followed Communer dot com. They saw. Um, other websites, I think Tosin had like Screw Shop. Screw Shop had like a com. bunch of like little like down-south.com. Uh, yeah, like there's like internet communities, right? That mm-hmm. talked about the stuff and knew that, hey, this is coming out. This is this, this is that. And this is all before, even before MySpace. This is all before Instagram. This is all before TikTok and stuff. This is like, but there, there might have been MySpace, but I don't think it was such a music thing when, when uh, we were doing it. There was some communication because I remember people in Norway. They were the first people to tell me to get on Facebook. And I was like, 
Mm-hmm. Man, I already got MySpace and it sucks. I don't want to be. I don't want another. I know another but, platform. But, but MySpace, like Facebook, was because it wasn't HTML. <laughs> That's I was like. Yeah. I was always thinking like as soon as, as soon as someone designs one of these that doesn't have HTML, they're gonna win. It was Facebook. Mm. I'm like, it's still winning. Yeah, I didn't even know what to think of it when we first got that, but it was amazing to see these things open up. The Austin Powers tape. So, mm-hmm. man, tell that was uh that's when we first met. You brought me a few Austin Powers CDs. Yeah, I Bavu Bavu was the plug back then, right? Because Bavu, I was going to UT, and I was doing mixtapes. The first DJ I ever met to, in Austin was DJ Corrupt. He mm-hmm. was like my uh, like in, during orientation. He was like orientation advisor. Um, but everyone else in Austin I met was real friendly, man. They would like if I needed the record store or where to find gear, where to find anything. It was like uh, where I'm from and like where I'm, I'm from Del Rio. I'm from San Antonio and a lot of like DJs like at that time, but wouldn't share information that we be like, I don't know where you get that. You know, it was just real like information like was just not given out. Like but Austin was like, oh yeah, you should buy records here. Here's where you get needles, but don't go there. Like it was, it was just real friendly. Um, and Bavu was, I was just like, Hey man, I do mixtapes. He's like, okay, well I rap. And then he was the other hot rappers in the city. When he would be like pointing at like Nook and Doc Holliday and uh, Cool Whip or whoever was just kind of recording, doing things, um, got to know bunch like uh, uh, like a lot of just promoters, people doing hip hop events, people doing shows from those mixtapes. I got to meet meet bigger artists and network and the network started, but it all started from like the Austin um, like people that Bavu know like mm-hmm. and, and I think Bavu was a journalist and had, was doing stories on all these people and he already had relationships like that and so it just made like from Basswood Lane to all these cats just uh like southbound right like mm-hmm. he's like a, a relationships from back then and a lot of them were like young kids just rapping um and trying to make it and trying to like hear advice and no one really knew how to do it in Austin they were just kind of like all right this 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 and trying and I was trying to like do mixtapes and hey man, give me a hot sixteen. Hey man, kill this beat. Hey, and a lot of them did it. It was really awesome. But Austin was dope too because it was a whole different era when you know they were able to see what Houston did and how they you know worked within you know you guys both come from retail you know mom and pop shops and selling. You just said having a shop on the east side, you know that neighborhood barely exists anymore. You know for what it was. You know we had a whole community of people that we were able to utilize being in central Texas. I mean, you know, if you could get your song hitting from here to Colleen, you had a, a little base, you know, there was, there was people out there, San Antonio to Colleen or whatever. And that was what I loved about regional rap music back in those days. You know, when you come to Austin and it was a whole nother world of music from Houston, there were some people who had that sort of maybe similar sound, but yeah, Austin people were more like performers and more like out there. They had more of a, uh, I think they have more of a live music pedigree out here because I always thought the shows were better when you'd go see them in Austin as far as quality. Cause there was also Houston at that time, warehouse live had just started, you know, there was the engine room, but there was a lot of club clubs. There wasn't a lot of live music venues that were going to book rap. You've been in Austin longer. Yeah. I was, I started my record store in 99. Okay. There's top dollar records. And I think the other record store that was around that was a mom and pop record shop was nonstop music. Mm-hmm. And it was pretty much like 
self-made kind, not like Music Mania. Music Mania has been around. Sam Goody's been around. Uh, what was that other one? I forgot the other record store downtown. I think it's still there. Waterloo. Waterloo was there, but there was there was some other ones that were like more. Mom there was and Turntable pop. Records. Was yeah, Turntable first. Yeah. They're yeah. all those are like mom and pops, like yeah. Waterloo and Music yeah. Mania. They kind of have more money behind them. Or Music yeah. Mania is kind of like a mom. Music and pop Mania too. was very yeah yeah very independent. Bernard uh, and I forgot Michael and all them out there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So be, when I started in '99, I started James. There. Yeah, James. <laughs> so I started at uh, where the record shop where backstage music was at. I started in '99. I closed in 2000. You know. And that was from uh, uh, since from his dad. I rented the house out from his dad, and uh, that's how I got all my relationships with everybody and kind of seeing what was going on. And then I started. I didn't. I was never a rapper or a DJ or anything, so I started doing instrumentals in two thousand mm-hmm. or top dollar instrumentals, and I was just selling out. I've, I've always made money every with everything after the record shop because I with the record shop opened my eyes to. You know who's who's walking in, who what they want to buy, and nobody wanted to buy all the other stuff, and all the CDs were getting burned anyways on Napster and mm-hmm. LimeWire and all that, and then of course on the Screw Shop, Tosin had that where people were sharing stuff, so nobody was coming to record shop buying stuff. Only people that were selling were Music Mania because they had the bigger connections with you know. That was when uh, when Screw passed away. I, I opened the store to meet Screw, but I never got to meet him. Mm-hmm. So when he passed away, that that's when Swisher House took over Music Mania and they started doing the CDs and all that stuff. But before that, custom cards were sell all the screw tapes and all that. that. That was the connection to get all the tapes. That was before 99. They were probably there shoot earlier than that. Because I, if I opened in 99, they must have been there like 96, 95. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so um, whenever, so that's how I got all my relationships with the artists too. But yeah, I understand what you're saying about the, the artists doing big shows and all that stuff. And just try to play a big role. But that, I was a small fish at the time, you know, it was it was a lot of people before me, you know, like I said, nonstop had all the connection with like flip and boss hog, you know, they used to come down there and they'll go to him first before me. So I had to make my own way. And that's what I made. That's when I made the instrumentals. Cause I always cater to what's in need, not what people are already making. Mm-hmm. Nobody was making instrumentals, not even out of town or anywhere. So I started doing that and in music mania, just selling like great. Like, like I said, everything after the record store, I sold like crazy t-shirts. I sold like crazy. Like even before the, what to do, I was doing top dollar clothing but it was all the hood shirts, like Eat, Grind, Sleep. That was one of the popular ones. All the East Side ones. South I used to wear that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So those were all before. Yeah. That was that was way before what it do. Yeah. Yeah. And then I, after, like I said, I'm o- uh, like I'm always behind the scenes and you know the, making the money moves and all that stuff. So when I started seeing Rick, you know, and then the quality that he was having, that's when I said I'm a, I'm gonna create something so that way we can put that branding on it and everything. And and it was just magic, you know, when it happened mm-hmm. from the beginning. I, I want to jump in on a lot of what Carlos is saying is that the one thing I liked about Carlos is that if he saw a need, like in the hood, like he would make it. Mm-hmm. And I love that. Like, he, like he grind sleep, like someone just needed like, cause everyone was making these shirts. Right. And a lot of them were just like corny, you know, I don't know. Like, and Carlos is making stuff. I was like, man, that looks clean. Like I would wear that. Mm-hmm. And it says some street stuff, but I like it. And then the instrumentals thing, was because the hood needed that. Like, like there was a bunch of dudes who were, like, from Austin or, like, that just, like, didn't have access to the internet but wanted some instrumentals, right? You know? And I, the internet wasn't that fast. Like, like mm-hmm. at that time, that wasn't accessible to everyone. So people just wanted some beats so they could, like, drink and smoke and, like, rap with their homies. And Carlos was like, these dudes will gladly pay 20 bucks. And he saw, like, hundreds and thousands of people that would do that. And so he's like... 
well, no one's doing this, and I'm not a DJ, but he was doing it. And a lot of like DJs in the city were like, "Man, this top dollar dude just keeps selling this out." And I go, "Yeah, bro, because that's what he's like selling for a need. Like that's, like that's market. Like that's like, because um, all those record stores you mentioned, right? Like, uh, Music Mini would be, I would say, like the high tier. It was an independent music store, but still kind of high tier because it carried like it sold a bunch of stuff, right? It would sell a lot, and then there'd be like Carlos's shop. There'd be a lot of like turntable. I, I would call those like the mom and pop shops, but they would be like JV version. Like you know, if you're a mixtape DJ, you're like, man, I want to get to Music Mania, but before that, I gotta go to these other like little stores too to try to get rid of it. And they would kind of take. I would like those stores because it would take a risk on DJs. I gotta see what other DJs were dropping mixtapes. I gotta see what other like you know, creativity that was out there and you got those from those shops. You wouldn't get them at Tower Records. You wouldn't get it at, you know, Music Mania a lot. So uh, we wanted to make, like, I wanted to get a mixtape. Like, the What It Do was supposed to be the mixtape that's going to be like, man, this can be, like, anywhere, you know? Like, mm-hmm. like let's put all this independent music anywhere. And it was just because it was a need for it. Like, everyone was doing the slowdown. You know, everyone was doing, like, the freestyles. We just wanted to be like, hey, these are other people and your favorite artist from Texas and they're all doing something like, you know, and it just popped off that way. But I, that's one thing I wanted to point out about Carlos is that he was always like finding where like a need was. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, whatever Carlos doing, I want to ride with it. Cause he's going to he still does that. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think because uh, like a lot of people look at the other stores as competition. I never looked at them as competition. I looked at all the other stores as outlets. I was, mm-hmm. I was at music mania and the crazy thing when I would sell there, my t-shirts and everything I would sell, I would have the front. You know, and they were like, uh, people would always ask me, like, how do you get all your product in the front? Like, they like you over there. I was like, no, because I go to the back and I was like, hey, can I do your work for you? And they were like, yeah, hang up your own stuff. Perfect. I'll go over there to the front. I'll hang my shirt. I'll, I'll do all the groundwork mm-hmm. when they needed a banner. Uh, I wasn't doing signs at the time. I had a friend that made banners. So that I asked them. Uh, they asked me if I knew anybody to make. Them. I was like, I'll just make you one for free. And I'll place my banner next to yours. So I had a big old banner, you know, four by four banner in the front window. So that's what a lot of people don't don't ever step in and do that kind of work. You know, they they always act like even though I was selling a lot, I, I still put in the work to keep on selling and to keep getting that front row. So that's where I, I think it separates me a little bit for for as far as like like how Rick is saying, finding a need for people. You always need somebody who who's going to be better than you to brand your own stuff than yourself whenever you're hanging your own clothes and all that. So that's how I got, you know, front row placement on everywhere. And I still continue to do that to this day. Even after all the money I've made, I still act. And, you know, it's hard to tell that I've made any money that day when I go walk into a person, you know, into a person's store that just opened up. I treat them as, as if they're the huge, the biggest store ever and they've been open. So, so yeah, that's, that's, I think that's where, that's where um, it kind of changes the game a little bit. And that's a big deal because back in the day and and today, but I mean, there were a lot of people who were total dicks coming in those stores. Yeah, <laughs> demanding. I things. met a lot of them. Yeah, yeah. I, I met a lot of them, and I always like every time there's a conference, you know, with anything confrontation, I go directly to the source. Whenever I hear something, even like Boss Hog when they came over to the store trying to say some crazy stuff about the other stores that they were saying this and that, I didn't make a big deal. I didn't make a big deal about it and go. Uh, and do something behind them. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I just went out there and just took care of what I needed to do. You know, just went out there to the to their store and say, everything good? Are we good? And that's how we became friends instead of becoming enemies behind the scenes. For sure. And that's a big deal. Yes, sir. 
Yeah, so I mean, talking about being nice and stuff to dealing with the with the retailers and with the people you work with in the community, that's really important. And I think a DJ like Rick, you know, and, and like myself too, I'd have people come up to me almost about to hand me money. And I'm like, or I'd be like, hey, I want to put you on this show with so-and-so. And they'd be like, how much? I'm like, well, you know, it's a small thing. I don't know. It's not. And they're like, well, no, I meant how much you want. Like, they're going to pay me. And I'm like, I'm not a pay-to-play promoter. You know, I'm not that. Yeah. You know, and there's so there's so much, like, kind of fuckery going on when there's a good dude comes in that keeps it simple and makes it, you know, real and organic. I think sometimes people are surprised by it, but I know a lot of people have appreciated that about both of you. One point of contention, though, I would say over time, and it's very true. Yeah. Excuse me. There's a lot of Latino rappers who feel slighted and did not get the support that some of their peers did over time. Yeah. I think a person like Max Minnelli is an incredible rapper. Lucky Luciano, incredible. There's, yes. you know, all the way up to GT Garza and all our, you know, our friends and family and stuff. There's so many. Mm-hmm. They're super dope over time. Chingo, of course, came in on a whole nother level, you know, but yeah. And he came from the mixtape game. Exactly. So there's so, but there's so many artists who have been slept on in so many ways over time. And what I think is incredible, we're going to announce it right now. I don't think a lot of people know, but you have a whole new, you're coming back at them. Yeah. Bringing what it do back. I started doing one, what it do one through five, right? What it do one had. Camillionaire, what to do two had Killer Collion and Bumby, what to do three had Trey, mm-hmm. not known as Trey the Truth, and then what to do four had like what to do family, which it was like Charlie Boy, Magno, the Rhino, Babu Blake, JLG, Black Mike, a bunch of people that I was trying to launch because I was trying to launch this album and things, and then mm-hmm. what to do five was just freestyles. Mm-hmm. So now it's what to do six, and after a long hiatus, it's like you said, I th- it's uh, I got inspired this from several friends and, and one of my boy Pete, he's in here right now. What's up Pete? And Pete was, we're always trying to figure out be, like how to like make it interesting to do what it do is right. Like, so we're like, Hey, let's do like all female one. All I go, Hey, let's do what it do six, what it do says mm-hmm. and, and make it all like, like Mexican American artists or Latino artists and then what to do seven, we think of something crazy. What to do eight could be something mm-hmm. different. But the next one that we're doing, yeah, is what to do six, what to do six. Um, and already the songs and freestyles that we have are pretty amazing mm-hmm. from a new array of young uh, Latino talent mm-hmm. out of Texas. We're still keeping it Texas. We're just opening the doors to like a even wider to uh, um, a bunch of artists who like, I feel are all doing like amazing things independently. I just want to do a mixtape that kind of incorporates all of them. And you've got Austin, San Antonio, Corpus Christi, Houston, yes, the Valley, everything represented. El Ev- Paso, everybody. El Paso, yeah. Actually, yeah. there is an El Paso artist. Yeah, so <laughs> right. we got a little bit of everything. Um, um, incorporating production from a, a lot of myself. I'm using a lot of Mexican samples. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm using uh. Producers who are doing the same to uh, uh, waiting on a track from uh, Big Johnny Tex from Southside Hoodlum. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I got Killian Beats also helping me out. And then, uh, but the production is pretty amazing. It's 
it's what something I, I feel is, it's something I feel like I have an upper hand uh like as a DJ that, that like just cause a, a lot of people when I was dropping the what it do is they just thought, hey, you're from Houston, right? Or you're black, right? Or this and I go, No, I'm actually a me, like my parents are from Mexico. My dad lives in Mexico right now. Mm-hmm. Like I'm from Del Rio and Ciudad Cuña Coahuila. Like that's where I'm from. And so I've been DJing a long time since then. Really fell in love with hip hop because that was kind of like what none, no one was doing where I was from and no one was doing on Sixth Street when I was DJing down there. So I just stuck with it. The mixtapes came out beautiful. Um, and I just like, but I'm Mexican. <laughs> so it's like cool. A lot of people kind of freak out. So l- luckily, when I'm putting together these songs and these mixes and like uh, like the songs we're sampling are like stuff that my mom likes. It's See, stuff- that's what I was going to say because I feel like just like when like Puffy, I mean, hip hop's always been samples of, yeah. of of songs that you know. But when Puffy started putting like the big songs exactly. that you grew up with, listening to on, even on like commercial rock radio, like he would, like every breath you take, things like that. He was taking like those classics, flipping them, and people rapping over my hear You flipping like songs that were you know at the barbecue. Yes, like Your family, all the- you know, family hits. Yeah, and I feel like um. I did the What To Do album after What To Do 5. Like, I did a What To Do album that had, like, Commander, Big Pokey, Lil Boosie, a bunch of people, and it was trying to be real Houston, real Dirty South, mm-hmm. real early 2000s, like, rap. And I was trying really hard to, like, keep it that, you know? Keep it real golf, like, sounding music. Um, and, like, I would get musicians to come play. I would, like, it, it, like you know, we try to get, like, bass lines were really big and guitars and twangs and like real like a southern memphis kind of feel mm-hmm. but i'm not from there but i like wanted that sound uh it was really difficult for me mm-hmm. these new ones are like oh my gosh it's like i always wanted to flip that track <laughs> i always wanted to do this so well, I, mean, I, love, I was like i always wanted to flip that fito Olivares song and like there's other rappers kind of doing it too there's other people like doing uh all that but it's like you're saying it's like the puffy version but from Mexican families. But think about who's dope right now, too, in Texas. I mean, Dope Man, yeah. Hoodlum, Rich Greedy. Yes. The dude from Texas City. Uh, Mexican OT, Bo Bundy. Yeah, Bo Bundy, Bo Bundy. Um, like, yeah. Brick, Wolfpack, D-Baby, Cash Out Ace. I know you, you got know, certified. An array of man. people in Dallas. Yeah, certified from Austin, Young Clean, um, there's just there's just so much talent out there, and I'm trying mm-hmm. to like peso peso. I'm trying to grab everyone that I can that who's willing to, you know, just like I was like you know back when we we're doing the what it do is like, you know, whoever was available um, and was down for a freestyle. Does the new it. generation understand mixtapes? I some do, some are like, hey, I remember you. <laughs> my mom likes okay. mixtapes. I don't know, <laughs> or some are just like, yeah, my uncle used to jam you out, or like, there's definitely like a. Not a full generation, but like, but almost there. And uh, some people be like, yeah, I know what to do. Yeah, no problem. And so uh, I don't know. Mixtapes is just kind of, I have to explain it to people mm-hmm. a lot. So I'm not sure if they fully understand that this is something that we would like work on, print up several copies, drive to town, sell these by hand, and then think of other ideas to make the new mixtape over and over and over again. And then... You know, once it's like the internet kind of came in and you can kind of make your own playlist, like using Spotify and Apple Music, you don't really need a DJ anymore, right? Mm-hmm. You just And all the songs got shorter, kind of like, you notice that too? Like yes. it seems like back in the day, the songs were like longer, three, four minutes. 
They don't need it. Now they're like mixed. Now they're like every album sounds like a what it do, right? They're all like a minute and a half, two minute songs. We go on to the next one. They're probably not as lengthy. I think I had like 40 tracks or something on my mixtapes, but they're definitely like music is a lot quicker now. Um, So even like the length of this mixtape is just the songs are just like two minutes, just kind of how they always were. So it's kind of like it's almost the world is built for this mixtape now. Right. Well, I mean, things come full circle, and especially in music all the time. And if you think about what's happened in the last years, I mean, Carlos mentioned starting a record shop right around the time Napster was happening. Might as well throw your money in the middle of the floor and set it on fire, you know, at that moment. But as things happened, you know, as you progress through it and kids are coming up and growing up with that streaming and with all that, I've seen young people's reaction when they first put on a record. You know, I've seen, you know people like talking about that. How does the sound come off of this cassette? I'm like, well, every song you ever heard in your life before a certain time, that music was laid down to a tape, you know, like you talk to them about these things. So long story short, like my daughter is 16, you know, tons of kids got into vinyl again. People wanted vinyl. There's a whole culture of kids who want cassette tapes and adults, myself, (laughs) who's never grown up. And, uh, but then I noticed my daughter Elaine is buying CDs and she's buying stuff like stereo lab and, th- and you know, Bjork and Sonic youth. <laughs> they love and, that like, vintage. She went and she went and, and raided my CDs in storage, like trying to find stuff from that, from like the eighties and nineties and things like that. And she's like into CDs. Like, yeah. so everything comes full circle. Whereas like, man, when we were at Piranha for, uh, that's where Carlos and I yeah. you know, reunited talking to John nice. up there. He was like, man, the pandemic was crazy, but it, my business has increased like crazy. Like all these people sitting around at home, they want to go yeah. buy a record, buy the turntables. They're playing their records again, mm-hmm. you know, and things have come around to like where it's not just a playlist. It's not just a TikTok. For some it is. <laughs> and of course it is what it is, but how, you know, the human brain can function a lot more than the internet allows it to sometimes yes <laughs> i mean like and, and people people progress past all that and i think it's amazing to see like you know we went through this dire as an old old dude yeah. myself went through this period of watching people like not give a shit and they would never go to a record store or yeah. they didn't not just that they didn't listen to an album an album was almost foreign to them because they were into you know song by song by song then yeah. tiktok made it worse in a sense, maybe better for some artists who can blow up off TikTok, but like there's so many people who have come back around now to this whole concept of a complete work from an artist. Yes. You know, and if a a mixtape can come out with some good quality and bring it back, I mean, it's almost like a, like a retro vintage sort of thing. And there's a whole, I'm glad you, I'm I'm glad you said that, Matt, because this is how we're dropping the new mixtape. This is a cassette tape, but it's a USB. But it's a USB. I just bought one of those off of off an artist from India. Cool. Cool. So this is what's happening: is the way we're dropping the What to Do Six is it's gonna be a cassette tape USB with every single What to Do in there. Um, so all and every single mix that I have on my hard drive that I've ever done. You want a DJ Rabbit Rip mix? It's gonna be on there. Okay. Um. So it's a cassette the shirt tape. that I have USB. on right now. You see this new what to do shirt, the yep. white with the little logo on the left breastplate. And then it's like the full what to do on the back. Mm-hmm. I'm going to stand up for the camera. Mm-hmm. and can get this. 
There it is. So all of this, this, I think we have a stocking cap beanie in there, an embroidered. We have a big lighter that has what to do on it. We got four what to do coasters. You're going to get all that in one kit. Mm. We're only making 1,000 because I think there was one big old problem is like we're like a lot of people were making our shirts. Some people were, I, there was weird bootleg printers making the what to do shirts. We don't know what's going on. So there's going to be each shirt will be labeled one of a thousand, two of a thousand, three of a thousand. It's like we're making the what it do an experience to all the people who are true fans because there are soldiers who rock that what it do shirt. Like that was during like, you know, Iraq, Afghanistan wartime too. Like mm-hmm. you said it was the death of DJ's crew. That was like so there's like people fighting mm-hmm. who were jamming those mixtapes, wearing those shirts, big fans are like still wait like you waiting for it to come back full circle for like another mixtape. But you know, no one buys CDs anymore. There's no like, like, there's probably mixed cloud, maybe sound cloud. Other places will take down your mixes, right? If you're not getting it copyrighted. So it's hard to get the mixtapes out there. Um, so this is finally coming back full circle to all the people who really love the what to do stuff. They can buy this kit and be like, oh, wow, this is just for me. And this is, you know, just kind of that reconnection, mm-hmm. you know? And then later on, it, it like, it's kind of like how John says, like, from, the, from Piranha, it's full, like you're kind of people are doing the experience more. It's not just mm-hmm. like you're listening to the song. It's like your daughter's getting the CD, putting in the CD player, hit and play. All that is part of the experience too. So like, you know, after we do this first kit, we want to drop the next song and do uh, another like merchandise, like maybe a hoodie, maybe you're the green. You still have the What It Do hoodie, the original one from like 2004, y'all. Matt's rocking. It. I have everything, by the way. <laughs> He's a collector of sorts. Yeah. So I wanted to say uh, that shirt fits you a lot better than the ones you guys used to make. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're going to have tall tees this time around? We're going to well, have something down to your knees? And... <laughs> I don't know if we can call them tall tees. We might call them what to do nightgowns. Yeah. And then they might go a little bit further. I don't know what you think. But, yeah, I guess the role I'm playing back in this, again, is just always behind the scenes kind of thing. We have the juice coming out. Also, we have everything that gets What is the juice? The juice is all like different flavors and all that stuff. So it's kind of like going off of like the, the drink thing is real big in Texas right now. Mm-hmm. Like the, you know, all the custom drinks and all that. So that was the timing for that to bring that to show kind of what, what else is, you know, coming out between, you know, me and Rick on the, on the new project mm-hmm. kind of showcase like everything that we're up to date on everything pretty much because it's kind of hard to put something out that's, from 2004, 2003, and not stay, you know, relevant with what's going on now. And that's what's relevant right now is the juice game is, like, big right now in Texas. Yeah, it is. It's crazy. And you said you're making lighters, too. I just got an ad. I just got back on social media, and one of the things I hate most about being back on social media is in getting all those advertisements in my face that I haven't had in the last couple years. But... We were, I went to Oklahoma last week for the Cannabis Con, Canacon, and uh, people had, a, you know, grabbed like a bunch of promotional lighters and was talking about them. And I know for sure that something happened today, even that we were talking about it was like the first thing that popped up on the feed. But I saw a big, uh, I got a big lighter ad for Mother's Day. You can oh, get wow. custom, you can order custom big lighters with like picture of your mother on it if you want. See? See, See we, we ain't sleeping. We already know. <laughs> and the cool thing is, like, some of my best times, mm-hmm. like, at you know, at the end of a work day or the end of the weekend when I'm winding down, 
there's a lighter in my hand. Yeah. Wouldn't it be cool if it had what to do on it? Like, that's all we're saying. You know, like, yeah. just putting those good vibes. Like, hey, experience this whole thing um, on what to do. So, yeah. And it's perfect timing now because our kiddos are now teenagers and they're starting to see <laughs> all this. So that's perfect. I mean, I do all this for my for my family. So, that's just perfect. And Rick does it for his as well. He he was the DJ at my daughter's quinceanera. Oh, man. And he's going to be the DJ at my son's graduation. So, yeah. Nice. This this year we'll have my son's graduation and uh, they'll get to see all the new you know everything by then the the mixtape will be out they'll get yeah. to hear all that and have a good time on you know for all the you know all the good old times and, <laughs> and new times on it for sure so you are looking to release all this uh, single tomorrow that's the plan um, mm-hmm. we gonna open up we already shot the video for the first song with Certified Rich Greedy uh, we did that during South by um, we have. Uh, most of the merch lined up. We're trying to get, you know, a couple things wrapped up. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, we pre-sales should be going pretty soon. And then May 5th, we should be shipping. That's the plan. And yeah, we're pretty excited because just, you know, uh, this is different for us, right? We're not like driving in my old Bonneville from town to town, popping trunk and trying to get CDs sold. So uh, the internet is in our favor. And luckily, since there's only two of these what to do shirts made, like there's only two really right now, like me and Rich Greedy are the only ones that have it. Um, everyone asks, oh, dude, let me get a shirt. Let me get a shirt. And then back in the day, I remember like 2004, 2000, I was friendly. I was like, oh, yeah, here's a shirt. Good friend. No, no one gets a shirt. These are only 1,000 made. You got to go to the website. The only people getting the shirts are the people who go and click on the link and, you know do all that, put the right address and everything. So that'll be out soon. Um, but, yeah, there's no hookups. My sister ain't even getting it. Like, no one, like, you have to go to the link. And so we just want to make that very clear. This is super unique, super um, for the fans only, you know. I'm putting this hoodie on eBay May 6th. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> it's the new Supreme from Texas. There you go. Man, well, coming out of Texas, you got people all over the world that be excited about this because, I mean, we went a lot of places. But when you got with Chameleonaire, you were Chameleonaire's official DJ for a while. That was a great... I mean, God, that was a great job. Like, it's to, still, a, I technically still am, right? Like, yeah. you know, so yeah, it's it's a great client to work for, I mean, and a great partnership, coworker, boss, all that. It was great. Yeah, I mean, you went to India, you went to China, you went to places yeah. that a lot of artists don't go. No, and the thing about that, it's like Dubai. Dubai it was just a huge artist, man. Like that's riding dirty went so far. Turn it like, and then his mixtape, his work like really went far. Um, I mean, it's the power of a hit. The power of a hit, you know, power of a hit song that everyone can sing. And oh yeah, they see me rolling. They just know that song, no matter what country you're from. And that's how far it went, right? It went. I mean, it's been in like Pixar movies or something, yeah, hasn't it? Adam's Family. Adam's Family. Yeah, it's in that one. That okay. was kind of weird to see on the previews. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's on the Volkswagen commercials. It's probably to this day still making money on it and then him just being that smart to just do it all you know kind of solo just kind of yep. above trendsetter that i would say i mm. mean a lot of artists that's their you know that's what set him apart he knew how to play the game and do the work too i mean like how many missed opportunities have there been for artists who didn't capitalize on that hit making machine and really get out there because i mean that it takes a lot more than having a dope song no. to make a song that big. It relationships. takes a real team and relationships and 
Tra- it's a chess match. It's, it's what it is. And he was really good at that. And it was great watching uh, Commander do business, make decisions. Because um, other people, like, they were making decisions at, when in our 20s were, you know, his were very calculated, very mature moves. No, you know all, how many artists time. told me, why would I go to Europe for $2,000 when I can make $5,000 in Houston on the South Side on Friday? You know, like, I'm like, because you could do that. You could go tour in Europe when you're 60. That's why. That's the investment you're going to make toward opening oh, up man. yourself to the rest of the world. Oh, man. And they love them in, like, Brazil. Mm-hmm. That was our favorite spot to go to. Almost every country in Europe, right? Mm-hmm. Three, the Hyderabad, Mumbai, New Delhi, India, China. Um, it's tripped out, right? From... 290 34th street right mm-hmm. <laughs> to all the way over there um i feel the same about all these new young artists like they have the potential to do something like that you know so anyway yeah commander amazing um and then just a good friend to reach out and then he's a great source of he always reaches out he's like hey what do you think about this what do you think about that and he's into like social media and he's definitely heavily invested in like the tech world. So he's always interested in what people think mm-hmm. DJs, especially not, not just me. He'll, he'll hit up Watts or like radio people and still has the same number, you know? So man, good, no, great, great person to work for. Like, yeah. Yeah. That's so dope. What were some of your other memories as far as like, what was the first time you really stepped out of Texas? The first musically. Mixtapes. I think yeah. getting the Austin Powers to mixunit.com mm-hmm. was a website that would like people could you could buy those mixtapes like like the the hand ones, right? Like a CDs. Mm-hmm. Um so when they I got picked up on there, uh they're like, Yeah, uh started getting fans from like Seattle or wherever you don't know, hey, love this stuff. And I think MySpace <laughs> was the social media platform back it then. Was. And so you get little fans and then, you know, like you'd be on people's top eight, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> top, remember that? And so um, all that kind of like spiral took off. And then really when Commander did the What to Do and he started going outside of Texas and blowing up and I had that mixtape that was even further push. Um, short, like this is all probably within an 18 month period that all these little miracles started happening, right? Like, that popped off. Carlos had a, the awesome design idea of what it do. Commander gets on the mixtape. Commander's like the biggest thing on the planet. Texas music is really hot. Um, Devin the Dude starts like becoming really popular, right? And starting to tour in Europe. You put me on a tour with him. Slim Thug got a deal with Interscope. He's starting to go all over the world. He's on another tour. We know him just from back when he was just an independent rapper. Right. Mm-hmm. And then like all these little miracles just start popping all within like a small period. Um, I think Commander needed a tour DJ and I, <coughs> and you asked me, no, you already had me. I think we were walking down the street. <coughs> Hold on. Man. That's all good. <coughs> I'm running out of breath, like excited talking about this stuff. <coughs> I think you and I were walking down the streets of Amsterdam with like Bun B or something. Commander calls 
And I'm thinking That's it's like right. he needs like an instrumental or something. Like they need they always they need some. Hold on, don't forget, for, don't forget that right <coughs> at that time too, we had just run into CeeLo on the street. Yes, CeeLo Green. All these Random. little miracles start happening, yeah. man. Walking down the street. Yeah, you can get. Oh yeah, I probably, oh, you get you a water, man. Come on, <laughs> I, need <a> <laughs> I need to drink one of these water do water. One of them, and what to do waters? That's Carlos. Write that down. Get write that down. Right. Put it on his bill. Put on my writer. Let's <laughs> get yeah. I remember we're walking down the street in Amsterdam. We just saw CeeLo Green, yeah. you, me, Truck, uh, and Red Boy, and Bond. who like now hangs out with like Mayweather on a daily on basis. The money team, yeah. yeah, so all like we're all walking down, and then um, I get a call from Commander. He's like, "Hey, I need a DJ," and I was like, "Okay." He's like, "You got your passport?" And I go, "Yeah, man, I'm in Amsterdam right now." He's like, well, "You're in where?" I was like, Amsterdam, Matt hooked me up with the show. I'm DJing for Devin and doing a couple other parties. And I'm here with Bun right now in Amsterdam. He's like, okay, we're going on tour. It's like on Tuesday. And I think I land back in America Monday. So, like, I land back, probably just get a shower and, like, use a restroom. And then I got to, like, get and then head out to, for a Canadian tour with, with Chameleon Air. And it started in Vancouver. And we ended up all the way, like, Nova Scotia. So we all the mm-hmm. little towns in between, like it was like a 10 city tour. And it was when, when Ride and Dirty was like the biggest song ever or like starting to be. And after Canada, what like I think London after that or UK. And then after that, a European tour, big cities. I'm talking um, like I want to say who wants Ticketmaster? Well, I mean, Live Nation or something. Like it was like live, like before Live Nation. I don't think it was clear called Live Nation. Yeah, like they were. Live doing Nation the is Clear Channel. So that tour, I remember, like that London trip, like, um, at the game in the 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 show in Manchester. Real Ferdinand, like, is that the show? Like the soccer player. Like, there's mm-hmm. this like huge people that I respect, like all over the world, are like. I was like, how did all this happen? Like 18 months. Like, yo, I just dropped a mixtape. Carlos dropped a t-shirt. Like, what happened? Then I went, like, I remember, do you remember Carlos? Like, I re- uh, gave that What to Do t-shirt to, like, 3-6 Mafia yeah. at that, like, DJ convention the Bahamas. in the Bahamas. And then Carlos, finished the story. Like, then Carlos is in Austin. And then what yeah, happened? I'm in Austin. And they're having a show in Ruben. Uh, he was a DJ at the time, big baller. He had all the connections. Mm-hmm. That's my, you know, good friend of mine. And uh, he said, you want to do an interview on 3-6 Mafia? I was like, cool, we go down there. You know, I go to the to their hotel room, and I'm with the manager, and we're interviewing. You know, I'm doing an interview, just hooking it up, you know, just whatever for him, you know, doing some stuff, side work for him. And um, telling him about the whole, you know, the what to do stuff and all that. It was like, you know, that was like the main thing we were all doing at the time. And um, I want to say it was uh, DJ Paul. He comes downstairs, and he's wearing the what to do shirt while the manager's there, like, what the, he's like, dude, you know, this is the guy, you know, this is the whole what to do movement is from, he's like, dude, I got this at the Bahamas. <laughs> wow. I picked this shirt up at the Bahamas and I said, well, as soon as I get to Texas, I'm about to wear it. And he goes, I never thought I was going to meet the person who actually made the shirt. He was like, that's crazy. So they're like, let's ride. Let's go where, where you want to go. So from there we went to the show and all the DJs from the radio station, you know, they were all at the show and they're all, I'm all walking in there. Cause I've always, like I said, I've been behind the scenes. People know me just as far as like, if they know me personally, but they don't know like what kind of business I do behind the scenes or anything. And so when I'm with them, uh, they're just trying to stop me and stuff. They're like, no, he's riding with us. And after that, you know, a lot of people just started seeing, you know, uh, not me out there more, but more of the brand out there. 
But yeah, that that was a crazy story. I mean, it went worldwide. I was at SEA Awards. DJ Drama was like, I have one of those shirts already. Like mm. everybody had the shirt. Like everywhere we went, uh, Rick ran into Jeezy. Jeezy was telling him, you know, I need to get that. And it was just, it was, it was a crazy time. But that's like I said, that's all, that's all good and everything. But you got to keep that momentum going. And we stopped for a little while. For a long time, I stopped because, you know, raising my kiddos and all Because when you're doing all this stuff, it, you can get overwhelmed with it. But now, you know, doing the relaunch and everything is like perfect timing for all this stuff, especially the, the mixtape coming up. Yeah, it's really dope. Yeah. Uh, it, we did stop doing it for a while. There was just like, I know, one, just no one was buying CDs like that. Mm-hmm. Two, so there was like, and then another thing too is like, the rap game eats you up, man. <laughs> like sometimes you're in there too much and then you're like, everyone's trying to be yeah. blow up around you. Yeah. And why didn't you put me on? Is this like a lot of that? Like made me not want to do it no more. It made me, I, I stepped away. I didn't even look at social media for two years. They, they see. So I mean, it's it was like, through the pandemic too. I mean, there's a lot of reasons, but no, nah, I mean, I can't deal with that. Like you feel good about something. And then the next person walks in is like, man, you didn't do this for me. You didn't do that. You didn't do it, that's it, a lot of that, a lot of that shit, man. Yeah, and it's crazy. Like, yeah, and it's like, uh, <clears throat> and sometimes you'd like believe some of those lies, you know. And sometimes I, and so it was, I think I jumped in it again, like two feet. I was like, all right, I'm going to Houston. I'm do a studio out there. I'm gonna put this album out. I'm gonna do all this stuff, and then like learned a lot of things, learned a lot of knowledge. Didn't get the results I wanted, uh, but it was also I think at that time me and Carlos were like. Stop talking too, just because we're all tired of all this other stuff too. We're like, man, I just want to do my own. I want to just do something different. Like no one really, like there's like a bad taste that. And the music got real stupid. Yes, and so you're like, all right, this ain't even like, what are we doing these for? Because like I thought I was doing this to, to blow up other artists, and like, you know, you're still waiting for people to blow up, and then like at that time, like people were blowing up not through mixtapes, just through other ways, through other like their own social media or like. Like, I feel like B-King really got big because, like, you know, he's on Ustream. He's on this. He has a personality. You make the beat live. Like, there's other things about new people and mm-hmm. they, they kind of blew up that had nothing to do with mixtapes. And so right. I felt like, all right, I need to take a step back because I don't see myself, like, I don't know, like, with the role that's actually, like, can help benefit all this. So now with the what to do, like, Sace feel like i can do something i feel like I, these samples i do know i feel like these songs i'm getting parts of like i do have an upper hand because i grew up on these songs mm-hmm. and so it's, it feels a little bit different but that's just kind of how the whole what to do thing kind of went through and uh now in 2022 we just want to be like hey let's drop merch with the song it's just a, a different vibe than you know before it was just mixtapes and clothing and now mm-hmm. we're just trying to combine it with like kits and other cool experiences well, I mean, think about too when, even twenty years ago or so, when we were younger and, and in this, we felt like maybe there were too many rappers. There was a lot of rappers, a lot of people rap, but man, we didn't know what it was about to become. Where like literally everyone raps, like everywhere you go, it could be anybody from any place. That yeah. it's like nothing to them to just rap, 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 and it's everywhere. And that caused like a kind of a big glut, in my opinion, and that kind of came from what was happening with. What you know, what we were doing, and to an extent, going up to New York, getting like into the mainstream publications, getting into like doing things, spreading this uh, the southern rap, the southern sound, mm-hmm. opened up a lot of eyes to 
this music and this sound, but then I think it opened up to a lot of people just like, hey, I can do that. And then the sound clouds and the this and that came in, so it made it real easy to just put your music out there and you can yeah. You know, I've got this little board here, this little roadcaster that we're talking into. Yeah. I mean, we are, I mean, I, and it, I prefer it over certain things, but we, would, we don't even need this to make a podcast, to make a song. You know, like you can get on your laptop and get a free program yeah. with a microphone and buy a rent a beat for $35. Yes. It's, you know, like it's a whole different game, man, a whole different world. And so the original production you've got, on this yeah. mixtape is important to me, uh, bringing it back to like the, the culture for real is important to me. And I think it's ripe right now. There's so much hip hop has always gone up and down, up and down, up and down music yeah. culture, you know, but like, but especially rap music, there's been eras of just some of you know, the most amazing stuff you've ever heard. And then there's been eras, even when we were younger, I mean, it wasn't exactly, you know, to me, the New Jack Swing era wasn't exactly the greatest thing in the world. Vanilla Ice wasn't very cool to me. And when yeah. that happened, a lot of Vanilla Ices came out. Yeah, but... Like, so there was all kinds of shit like that going on. To, to me, I don't think... I think when you think something is lacking, that there's something getting better somewhere else. I think maybe yeah. if you don't see, hear, like, a lot of, like, you know, the lyricism that you heard previously, the production's definitely getting better. And I think, like, there's other, like, areas. like, And, and then sometimes yeah. the production's so good, you're like, I don't even care what this guy's mumbling about because it sounds so good, like the beat. But um, I think there's also, because if lyricism kind of goes down, Matt, like, let me know, like, there's also, like, all right, I think, like you said, I think we need to hear some lyricism now. And so there's a lot of talent for that. Now. Yeah, things are happening, but also people rapping in their own voice. That helps. <laughs> you know, having their own voice, not just the same voice, the same flow. It's definitely getting better, and it's a positive moment right now. I'm excited for it, to see it all. Like, it all comes, like we said, full circle. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good time to, to – it's a good time to drop all these – showcase all these people who got dopes, dope shit everywhere, man. Really good. You still doing the clubs and things like this? Yeah, man. I'm still DJing. Like, I, I hear – I'm in the after hours in Houston on a, on a regular basis, you know. Like I probably can't do every weekend like I used to, but I'm there most of the time. Um, private gigs in Austin, San Antonio, and Houston, everywhere in between, all the time. Um, and like Carlos said, raising a family too. We got two teenage kids, both of us, um, and so that's a job too. Shit, back you know, then, <laughs> who man? Shit, I remember. I remember that. Just, this just popped in my head, and now I'm having a brain freeze. Who you DJ that San Antonio Spurs wedding? What was that? That was a. Uh, oh, I almost landed that gig. What? I um, I never got to do it. I almost landed. I thought that was happening. Damn, Me, it, it was really close. Eva Longoria, Tony Parker yeah. wedding. Yeah. No, uh, Tony Parker had a friend who's a DJ, and um, and did that. But I almost like they were asking. And I was just like, I'll do it free. Like, I was, like I'm a, hell yeah. Everyone who knows me, I'm a Spurs fan. Like, mm-hmm. I graduated '99. That's the first year the Spurs won. That was like the greatest summer ever. Man, like, like uh, I, so yeah, I want to do that, but no. Done a lot of other ones. UT football players, uh, like, lots of folks. So mm. I'm still, you know, local celebrities around Austin. Um, Play a bunch of stuff, man. 
I still love the DJ thing. I still love making like dance floors like get crunk, get happy, people feel good. Like and doing that on the mixtape form too. Like people would like like the mixes in the car, like, you know, when when mixtapes were popping. Mm-hmm. So just like people be like, ah, oh, that DJ made my day. That DJ, that's a good mix. Oh, that DJ, that's a good all that. That's a dope freestyle. I wonder how he did that. Like I like doing that for people. For real. That's dope. Where else, uh, where can people find all this when it comes down? What it do, what we be following? Dot com. Um, also, we have an Instagram, what it do dot com too. Um, but it's all going to be there. You can follow uh, CH Customs, who handles all printing, signage, and everything else in between for so many. Like, tell them a little bit of your, uh, the people you work for, Carlos, for CH Customs. That's too many people to remember. See, look at that. Well, I mean, I saw the drink champs. I saw the rolling drink loud. champs, rolling loud. You know. Trey the truth, uh, and he, w- so many more artists. Slab uh, barbecue. Yes, everyone. Like custom every- custom signs. Like Spice God, like a whole bunch of fro- folks uh, that all get their things done here. That's not just what I do, but just other amazing brands all over the state and the world. Jeez, like everyone makes gets their signs done. Um, but what to do.com, uh, follow CH customs on Instagram. I'm rapid Rick R A P I D R I C. Uh, we're going to be dropping this. Probably the link is going to go out in like a day or two. We already got like, we're going to preview the video a little bit. Like pre-orders. Yeah. We'll get pre-orders going. And the earlier the pre-order, the higher number you'll get on the shirt. So if you order first, like you'll be one of a thousand, two of a thousand later on, it'll be less. Mm-hmm. And we're only making a thousand, so yeah, we expect most of these to be gone pretty soon. So a thousand packages or a thousand that's it, like the tape you a thousand packages, the thousand tapes too. So you can only there won't be more No, like I think after that I'll probably it'll be on Apple Music, Spotify, all that later. Okay. But yeah, but the first thousand people are gonna get that for sure. Okay. Damn, that's crazy. Well, I'm excited to hear it. Yeah. I'm excited for all new adventures. Hopefully this opens up a lot more doors, get you out there around the world again, man. Part two whole nother one matt wants i'm ready to go you you want another excuse to go to europe again Yeah, i'm ready to go (laughs) that's all Matt. what's all about he's like i'm dad drinking weird like european beer rolling spliffs and like walking around weird areas trying to find something to eat that's matt on tour yo that's all day (laughs) that's all day no i I can relate another experience from that trip to norway there was a trip because you were saying we were talking about people's perceptions and things and they think I think a lot of people looked at us thinking we were making a ton of money when we were going out to like really trying to, we were breaking doors down. We weren't making that much money, man. Nah, like, we're just getting out there. And the first time when we went out, I'll never forget going into Christiansand, Norway, mm-hmm. we traded in a hundred dollars and let's say we got 500 kroners. I think that's what it was. You and I went into a grocery store cause I said, man, usually the grocery store is where the best price is going to be for things. We got two, four packs of beer, a pack of rolling papers, and a couple bottles of water. Yeah. And the lady was like, yeah, 470 kroners. Yeah, all that was like, like 100 okay. bucks, bro. Yeah, here you go, because kroners are even harder to do in your head. Like, you don't know what you have in your hand. You know, when it's, we paid that. I came out, and I'm looking at the money. I'm talking about eight beers. Eight beers, some rolling papers. All and that was waters. 100 bucks, bro. It's like $75, $80 at least. We had like this, like 20, this little bit left. I'm like. Did we really just spend like 75, 80 bucks on this? Yeah. So it <laughs> and that all, wasn't like, we weren't at like the festival either. We were in, it's, you it's, know, a little Europe's kind of like a, 
bigger version of America, right? There's a it's like an expensive West Side. There's expensive like the Switzerland's and the Finland. Like I mean, not Finland, but like well, Norway. yeah, anywhere in Scandinavia is expensive. It's expensive, and then if you go to east, like just east of Italy, yeah, oof. man, hundred bucks is like. 10 G's or something, bro. Like, you yeah. make that thing stretch. You're like, how much is all this? Uh, and you're like, it's only four bucks. Yeah, I love Like, po- this whole meal. Like, so you be on the come up. Like, Eastern Europe is dope. Yeah, I love shows in, like, Poland and uh, places like that. Budapest. Mm. All the, bro, all that's, like, crazy. Um, And then China's, like, pretty cheap. India's mad cheap. Um, At least at that time. It was cool traveling with the mixtapes, bro. Like, I did not expect. So, I think, Carlos, thank you for helping me get around the world. Because yeah, I know that shirt. Mad did, too. But, like, damn. It was like the sh- it, all these little things. Yeah. Mad, Carlos, Camillionaire, Slim Thug. Like, anyone who ever, like, rapped, like, sent this little Mexican around the world for this mixtape stuff. And I appreciate it, you know. Like you said, let's try to do it again. Yeah, it's time. For real. And anything else you want to leave them with? Contact you mean you put the website where the yeah. pre-order is going to be what it do.com w-h-u-t-i-t-d-e-w.com um get your stuck kit now because probably by the time you hear this the link will be up so all right what it do.com well i appreciate, appreciate y'all it. for coming yeah, appreciate on appreciate you too matt Thank talk you. so real here some more real talk with matt sanzala if you want to follow me on the stupid social medias it's talk so realist on twitter and instagram I'll probably never open Facebook again if I can help it. Uh, Pushermania.com. Matt at Pushermania.com is the email. Tell them your MySpace, dog. I'm not on TikTok. (laughs) (laughs) Shout out to Man, shout out to my boy Stone. Shout out to my boy Pete right here. Right here. Put us on the TV. Let us get on the TV here. And, man, let's talk again after... uh, after this drops, let's Sounds do a part good. two. All right. Maybe get some know. of the artists in here. Already, y'all, uh, tell a friend to tell a friend. Talk So Real is on all the platforms, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and also Spotify. Talk soon. <laughs>